Hello everyone and welcome to Grassroots Glory. I'm your host James and I will be covering everything from the lifeblood of English football, the non-league. We've got a very, very special episode for you today, a very, very special guest. It is none other than Southport assistant manager Andy Burgess. Andy takes us through the weekend's result, their hopes for the season, um, as well as bits and pieces about his career and a few sort of quick fire questions um, as well about the best player he's played with, best players he's played against, so on and so forth. Really looking forward to hearing this one. Would love to know what you think. Let's talk Southport with Andy Burgess. Here we go. Hello. Hello. Hello, Andy. You're right. Yeah, good. Thank you. Better for um, better for three points on Saturday. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was a good game. I enjoyed it actually. Yeah, it was my third. I'd never yeah, been yeah. to um to Bishop Stortford before. Um, so yeah. Okay. It was um, it was a good game, but yeah, I mean, as you say, you know, it's a great win for you, um, away at Stortford on Saturday, um, fairly late goal, bit of a topsy turvy affair as well. Um, was it as you expected going into the game? Um, yeah, I mean, we, they they had quite a big turnaround of players over the the, the, the two week period that they'd been knocked out of the FA Cup as we had, so. We, we both had quite a lot of prep time. We knew they lost their their captain and leader, mm. um, had gone gone to Billericay Town. So I think their their back four was completely new. Um, so we we knew they were going to be a little bit um, uh, sort of fresh to each other and, and 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 new playing with each other. But we we actually thought they'd be a little bit more direct than they were. They played out a bit more than than what. We we thought they would. Um, I, th- I think that was probably uh, because they had a change of players and they want to play a little bit, and um, so that that surprised us a little bit. But um, yeah, no, it was always going to be a tough game anywhere in this division. Is a tough game, and you know they're they're a team who have come up last season, and um, and that all that gives you a you know you look with Tamworth at the minute that gives you a a, a, a bounce and gives you momentum. Um, They've dropped off a little bit, you know. They won the first game, but they've dropped off a little bit since then. So, listen, we knew it was going to be tough, but we believe in our group. We, we've got we've got a, a bit of momentum now, and um, and we showed different qualities on Saturday in terms of being two one down um, and having the the character and um, and ability to come back from that. So, yeah, it was it was really pleasing, and um, it kept our, our our unbeaten run going and and kept uh, you know. Gave, gave the gaffer another win um, since he came to the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, you know, just on that, I mean, I know it was a, it was a sort of it was a tough start to the season for you guys, um, but now you're on a run of a really good run of, of four wins out of five. Um, what sort of prompted the turnaround? Do you think? Listen, I mean, you know, Liam has done unbelievable at the club in the past. You know, he's he's, he's had superb success. Um, gotten promoted into the national league, and um, and he's got his way of doing things, and um, and that's different to what Jim Jim Jim's ways of doing things. And Jim coming in probably has, has given a fresh approach, and it's probably the players maybe needed that. Um, and and you know they are totally different in the way that they work. And, and again, I'm not saying that either is is right or either is wrong, but mm. um, it, it just gave a freshness to the group and gave a. a Gave a little bit more impetus to the group, 
Um, the way Jim works is probably a little bit more uh, meticulous with things, a bit more organised in terms of set plays and um, and shape and and things like that. So, and I think the group needed that. Um, and and Jim's Jim's you know that that's how he works. He he's very very hands on with everything. He's very involved in everything, and he likes everything to be clear and the players to be. Um, the players to be clear and, and, and know their roles and know their jobs, um, set pieces with the ball, without the ball. Um, and again, again, the players, I think, probably needed that after the start we had. Um, you know, you get that new manager bounce um, as well, which which obviously helped. But, um, you know, Jim's a real, real big character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's a loud scouse voice uh, in and around the changing room and on the training pitch and things like that. And, and again, I think it's just a good fit for where the club is at the moment, um, or, or was at the moment when Jim got appointed. Um, I think it was a good fit, a really good appointment, and um, and it's obviously working. You know, I think we're probably over that bounce now, and I think we're into a period where, as I said, Saturday um, we showed different qualities. You know, we went to Kingsley and won. We were four 0 up at half time. Um, you know, we went to Hereford and won one 0 That you know, that probably could be considered a little bit of the the new manager effect, but I think we're down the line a little bit now. And I think, as I say, Saturday we showed different qualities um, that 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 was probably beyond you know that manager bounce. So yeah, it's just been a real big effort from everybody at the football club. You know, the, the, for for me, the club is a big um, should be a big force at this level, and mm. there's no there's no way we should be operating down the bottom end of this division. Especially knowing the other team, no disrespect, but knowing the other teams and the other squads in this division, looking who's top of the league at the minute. You know, we played Tamworth two weeks ago, and um, you know they they were probably one of the or caused us the least issues of anybody that we've played so far. So um, it's a really tight league and a, and, a, and a league. It's competitive. Don't get me wrong; it's really competitive, and, and every game's really tough. But it's I don't think there's a real standout team in this division that we'll run away with it. I think it's going to be nip and tuck all the way. And I think it's, you know, the, the, the playoffs go really deep in terms of, you know, they go, there's a, you've got the, the uh, it goes down to seventh or eighth, I think. So you've got a, a real good chance of getting in the playoffs and it always, and it gives people and clubs hope as you go through the season. And, and um, you know, we've got to be looking as, you know, I'm not getting carried away because of the start we've had, but um, we've got to be looking up rather than down now and that's a that's a real good place to be i saw on on saturday the the the, the level of support that you guys it's a long way to come but you guys brought a, a, a sort of a loud um a loud contingent of support which is which is great um and you know the way you speak you're speaking there about you know southport should be big competitors at this level um is this a club you feel that can grow and and sort of eventually challenge to to sort of go go into the next step and sort of national league and then you know even into the football league as well. Yeah, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, you talk about the support and the following. Um, you know, myself and David Morgan were were caretakers for three games. We played Boston the first game. Uh, we lost two 0 at home, and the supporters clapped us off. They were right behind us. They're they're a really good support, and it's a really good club. It really is. That you know, I've been involved in a lot of clubs um, up and down the country, really, and. South, you know, it's a it's it's a small club in terms of probably 
it's a part-time club. You know, there's, there's, I think there's only probably one member of staff who's full-time. Um, it's, you know, the, in, in that, in that sense, it, it is a small club, but in, in terms of the town, in terms of the infrastructure of the football club, of the, the stadiums, you know, again, it's not the biggest, but it's really tidy. It's got potential for growth. Um, and it's in a town where there are, there are football league clubs who are, who are in smaller towns and there are football league clubs, uh, Premier League clubs that, that probably um, are a, a smaller, you know, in terms of population and where, they, where they're situated. So that I, I believe there is massive, massive growth available for, for the football club. I, I think, listen, when I played for Russian Diamonds and we won the conference or we won the National League as it is now, mm. South, Southport finished fourth. They were a massive club at the level. They were a really competitive club at the level. You know, speaking to people now who, uh, who remember that time, 2000, uh, 2000, 2001 season, you know, they said they believed that they, they could have won it that year and gone in, back into the Football League. And let's not forget that Southport were a Football League club for a long time. Mm. Um, I think they, they came down in the 60s or 70s. So 100%, it's a, you know, it's a cliche, but, you know, it's a sleeping giant, I think. And, Certainly, 100%. You look at the teams in the National League or the clubs, sorry, in the National League. I, I think we're we're below, we're a league below where uh, we should be uh, as a club is at the moment. I think we could, we could certainly compete. We can cert, we could certainly operate. We could certainly be competitive in the National League with the travelling support that we get, with the support we get at home. You know, we 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 were not we're 19th in the conference in the Conference North, National League North, and. You know, we're still getting 11, 12, 1300 at home. I think if you went, I think if we were, I think if we were at the top end of the league and we were, you know, challenging, I think you're looking at probably crowds closer to 1500, 2000 at home. And that's football league uh, attendances. So, um, yeah, yeah I, you know, again, you know, we've got to deal with it here and now we've got, you know, we've got to focus on where we are and, and pulling away from, any any sort of danger this season. We've obviously had a really disappointing season last year and the last couple of years. We we believe we know why that is, and you know there wasn't a lot of money around for anybody, um, and we struggled like everybody else did. So we understand why that was. We've had a bit more investment this year, and we were able to to bring in a few new players this summer that have, I think, taken the squad forward and, and built us into a. For me, what, what we should have a really, really strong and competitive squad at this level. We're now starting to show signs of that. Um, but in terms of the bigger picture, yeah, you know, listen, football league is a the, the conferences. Sorry, the national league is a is a tough league to get out of into the football league because there's so many massive clubs. You look Wrexham and Notts County, you know, last season slugging it out Chesterfield. You know, so many football league clubs. Um, or, or clubs that believe they are football league clubs or have been football league clubs in the, in the not distant um, past who are fighting to get back up there. So that that's a really tough one in terms of getting into the football league. But absolutely, for me, Southport should be operating in a national league. Um, I don't think there's any reason why that can't be next season. I, I generally, you know, haven't seen most clubs this uh, in this in this league this season. I think we're I think our best, and with one or two additions, we can be up there. But again, you know, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. We, you know, we're not talking about that. It's not being mentioned. We just take every game as it comes at the minute. And at the minute, that's working and we're doing well. We've been on a fantastic run. Um, we, we, we just want to continue that. We want to look at Gloucester next Saturday and say, right, let's tick that one off. Let's get another three points and see where it takes us. Because 
I think when, once you take your eye off the next fixture and you start looking at those bigger pictures and you start looking, listen, we, me and the gaffer can talk about it and uh, and the staff can talk about it and we can, we can you know, look at things and set internal targets for us. But in terms of talking to the group and talking to the squad, they just need to focus on Gloucester and look at the here and now and look at those small details. Because if you win Saturday, that's that's another three points closer to where the bigger picture takes you. So there's no point in... I don't think anyway, I don't think there's any point really in talking about the bigger picture with the group or, you know, or, or with the squad of players, because that takes care of itself if you deal with the here and now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you you mentioned like the bigger picture there and um, you mentioned sort of earlier on the, the, the turnover at Stortford and, and things like that. And um, when it comes to building towards that next step and, and getting to the National League, um, obviously, sort of, you know, bringing in new players, uh, transfers, loans, um, academy structure is, is all important in that. Um, and as a sort of a football fan, you, you sort of you feel like you understand how it all works at the very, very top level, right? Um, but how do you how do you in sort of non-league, how do you plan long term in that way when there can be such turnover? Because for example, I know that um clubs will bring in young loan players and then if they're sort of doing well by January they'll sort of get pulled back out and put in at maybe a higher level how do you plan long term um given that sort of situation yeah it's tough it, it's tough and it, it it's tough to the extent where it's, it's nearly impossible because there is such a big turnover of players and there is such a big there are so many more things to it you know you're talking listen, when you're talking to, to players about contracts and and you're negotiating with players, you're talking about 50 quid here, 50 quid there, 25 quid here. And, it, it, you know, when you're talking about Premier League players and you can easily talk about long-term because you can put them on seven-year contracts, as we're seeing Jared Bowen was talking about signing a seven-year contract at West Ham yesterday. You know you've got him long-term. You know, at our level, I think we're slightly different. We We seem to have quite a few players on one on on two year contracts or one year one year contracts with an option and stuff like that and that's 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 unusual i think at not national league level um so it yeah it's really difficult and it is it's uh, listen i, I don't, jim's come in and 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 we haven't really spoken long term we haven't because it's hard. You have to focus on now. Listen, we only we only deal with the players twice, three times a week: Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Tuesday's a game, Saturday's a game. So you're really focusing on the here and now. And then Thursday, you're training, and you've got an hour and a half contact time with them. So everything's focused on the here and now. Mm. Um, so I mean, I speak to Jim two or three times a day, every day, sometimes more. Um, but again, it's it rarely. Rarely do we speak about the long term, um, and I think that's something that maybe you have to you have to sort of have bubbling away in the background. And you know, a lot of clubs are going to the the model of having a sporting director, and I I'm, I believe in that because I think it pulls the club together. I think a sporting director, although it sounds quite grand, is probably more needed at lower level, national league level, because because of the lack of contact time that you have with players and I have around the club, I think a sporting director is able to pull together the uh, foundation and academy, uh, a ladies team, uh, the first team, 
uh, 23s team or a reserve team, whatever that looks like. Uh, train, they're able to look at the training facilities. They're able to look at the at the uh, everything that is really fractured at a, a national league or, or a part-time club. Because you don't, you know, when you go into a full-time club, everything's sort of there. The academy, the youth team are training with the first, or training alongside the first team. You know, the women's team is sometimes on the academy site, and then you've got the academy coming in overnight, so they're there, and everything's together, and everything. At a at a national league team or a sorry, it probably should be a, 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 a part time club. Mm. Everything is sort of all over the place, and there's no real, there's nobody really to pull it together. And I think that model of a of a of a director of football or somebody who can who can pull it together and be the link between all all those different listen at, at part time level, the first team, the men's first team, isn't really going to be involved in the in the women's first team for example or the women's academy or anything like that but if you've got a link that pulls it together and you've got that one club mentality without a doubt that strengthens the core of the football club and that brings everybody together and I think that's vital and I think that we've got that at Southport to a degree but I think it can be a lot stronger and I think we've got the idea of it and we've got things bubbling and we've got you know, we've got a, a, um, a full-time head of operations who does a fantastic job of trying to do that but I just think it, it it needs it needs more probably football focus from the football side of things when you're looking at you know there's a lot of talk nowadays of DNAs and the way football clubs work mm. and the academy playing the same way as the first team it does help um, it does mm. help but to answer your question the you know a, a senior first team level in a in a full time football club. You know, I was head of recruitment for two years at, at Mansfield Town in League Two, and you know we were looking ahead at the next transfer window in you know three four months before, and you're able to plan for those windows. Here, there's no transfer window, so you know we we only working. We only had four subs on Saturday. I don't know if you noticed, we only had four subs. Mm. You know, we lost two two players during the week. You know, it, it's so difficult to. It's so difficult to plan. It's so difficult to to recruit to recruit quickly, if you like. Mm. Even because you haven't got the ability to go. You know what? We'll pay five hundred grand for somebody. We'll pay fifty fifty million pounds for somebody to get them in. Like so. Although it looks, it probably looks like it and sounds like it should be easier because you've got the big window or you haven't got a window. Uh, it, it does become difficult. Um, for so many reasons, you know, financial location, you know, you're at, we, we can only really recruit from the Northwest because people have got jobs at our level. So they have to travel to train and things like that. So that limits you massively in terms of where you can recruit. Um, whereas again, in Mansfield, you're looking nationwide, even internationally at recruitment here, you're very, very limited or part-time clubs all over the country. You're very limited. So, um, you know, it has it, it has it, it has its pluses, but it also has big, um, big difficulties attached to it. Yeah, yeah, and it must having such little touch time with the players weekly as well. As you mentioned, there you have sort of an hour and a half um, on a Thursday because you're playing Tuesday, Saturday. That must make it quite difficult to sort of implement those sort of strategies and tactics and and you know DNAs you spoke about um, as well. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You know, Jim, Jim's never been a part-time manager before. Um, he's only, you know, he's at Morecambe for 18 years, nine of those as manager full-time in the Football League and the conference got promoted. 
uh, filed full time, own training ground, you know, Rochdale, uh, uh, incredibly established football league club, full time training ground. So he's come here and, you know, we've got an hour and a half and Jim, Jim will say himself, he's the first to admit he can talk Jim. So when he's, when he's coaching, he like he's, he's meticulous. He likes to go through everything probably three times, which is, which is great, you know, but when you've got the pitch from us half seven till uh, nine o'clock or, or half six till eight o'clock, you know, there's lads walking on the pitch playing five aside after us. Mm. And Jim's still going through the first two points of his 10 that he's got on his list. Yeah. I think he's finding that a real test. Um, yeah. You know, we're, 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 we're walking on the pitch and there's, there's a kid's session on before us. And, you know, the manager's trying to tell the kids about the game on Sunday and, Jim setting up his area. It's a, it's, it's tough. It's, you know, there's lots of, lots of things in a, in a part-time club that test you. Um, you know, you're very, very lucky if you're a full-time club and you've got your own training ground and, um, and you're able to implement things. You know, we're, we're a part-time club who haven't got our own training ground. We train on a public facility. Um, we trained a couple of weeks ago and there was a club from our, our, our league coming on after us. You know, they're the, on, onto the same pitch, you know, they're the hurdles and the obstacles we're trying to, um, we're trying to manoeuvre and yeah, the, 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 the lack of touch time is, is really tough and you have to be, you have to be really well planned and you have to be again, meticulous with your, um, with your, with your planning in, in terms of your session and, um, and it does limit you. It does make it really, really difficult. Um, but, you know, we're not the only ones and, and, and everybody or, or most clubs at this level um, will be will be facing the same challenges. So um, we're certainly not alone in that, but it does make it a hell of a lot more difficult. Um, and, uh, and, and again, you know, I think Jim's, if I think if you ask Jim, I think he'd say that is the biggest thing that he's, he's, he's finding, although the results have been phenomenal. Uh, it, it's really testing him in terms of the lack of touch time and the lack of, um, ability to, you know, stay out on the pitch for, for an extra 15 minutes to work on something. Um, but again, you know, we're, we're making it work. Um, the results have been fantastic and hopefully that continues. Yeah, no, brilliant. Um, so talking about sort of more from, from your experience now um, when, you, when you were a player, um, what, what do you think is sort of different about the non-league now than when you played in it? Has it sort of improved? Has, have the facilities got better? Are there still a lot of similar issues? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate to be at Russian and Dynas for 12 years that had an incredible football, was was a was an incredible football club. You know, when we won the National League as the conference then, you know, we had, uh, the facilities were, were, were beyond belief, really. You know, players used to come and say, you know, I remember sitting down with, with Jim Rodwell, who was a senior player when I was 18, coming through at Rushton in the conference. And and he said to me, you don't think every club's like this, do you? And I said, well, isn't it? And he went, yeah. And he sort of laughed and said, no, you know, this is, this is, this is a different world. So I was quite fortunate in terms of Rushton, but, you know, I, I did go to other clubs and, and, and witness that. And, and I found it from my own personal point of view, because I'd had what I had at Rushton, I found everything else, was below that, that mm -hmm. and, and probably wrongly, I, I judged everything on Rushton. You know, I went to 
when I signed for Oxford, who were who were then in the football league, the first day I went in and was went into the football club and sat in the changing room waiting for waiting to be told where we were training because I didn't have a training ground. And I found that really difficult. And you know, 18 months later, I went back to Rushton and a lot of it was mentally difficult for me because I again I you know I, I related everything back to to Rushton. But no, in terms of I think it's quite similar facilities. You know, grounds don't change really in the com in the National League or National League North. They're, they're, I love them. I think the grounds are, are, are brilliant. Um, Non-league grounds. I love. Listen, I'm a Luton Town fan, so I've grown up with Kenilworth Road. Um, mm. You know, the character. I think that I, I I'd love us to stay at Kenilworth Road forever. You know, we, mm. we're obviously the pre the Premier League money is is now allowing us to move to Power Court, but I, I'd stay at Kenilworth Road because the character and the and the and the history of that ground is phenomenal. When you go in and it's got all its quirks, it's got all its little corridors, it's got it's just brilliant. You know, you go to these grounds. Don't get me wrong, some are you know Tottenham's Tottenham's ground, um, uh, the Emirates, you know, are, are, are sensational. But you know, you go to Wembley, which I, I don't believe I don't really like the new Wembley. It, don't get me wrong, it's you know, it's nice and it's a modern stadium, but I don't feel there's character in it. And I, and I think these non-league grounds at Bishop Stockford on, uh, Stortford on Saturday, you know, it's, you know, the change rooms weren't great, but they were, they were what they were. The toilets are almost on the, you know, where you get changed and the showers are, you know, you got four showers and, you know, that's just character. And that's what I love, you know, I love about non-league that I, I never forget uh, at Rushton, there was a lot. There was a big fan base that didn't want to get promoted to the football league because they loved going around to these grounds and going to, to you know these places where that had so much about them. Um, and that that for me is is the beauty of non-league. It's what it what makes it so special. You know, you see so many ground hoppers um, in non-league that go and look at these grounds. And you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. You know, going and visiting these new grounds. I've been to Spennymore this year that I've not been to. I've been to Bishop Stockford before as manager of Rushton when Enfield played there. Got knocked out of the FA Cup, so I'm I'm pleased that we we banished my bad memory of playing at that ground on Saturday. But yeah, um, yeah no, that I think it's I think it's quite similar. I, I would say I would say probably top half of the National League North. It's probably closer to the Nash to, to League Two than it was because there are so many big clubs in that and so many full-time clubs now. You know, you look at Wrexham and Knox County, Chesterfield uh, going for it last season. You know, they're they're paying unbelievable money, probably a lot more than some League Two, League One clubs mm. uh, would be. I know Wrexham's probably a, an exception because of the backers, but you know, you look at Knox County; it's a huge football club and should never be there. But you look at you know, the clubs that have been down there in recent years, Luton obviously took us five years to get out of it in Mansfields mm. um, and clubs like that. So it's probably more competitive now than it was. Although having said that, you know, when I was in it and we won it with Rushton, it was, it was so hard to get out of it. I think we finished four, four, second, second the year before the, the four years before we managed to, to win it and get promotion. That's how, and there wasn't playoffs then. there were no playoffs then. So that's how hard it was then. Mm. Um, but no, it's brilliant. I love it. I think non-league football is is the, the lifeblood of of football in this country. The Premier League, I, you know, I hate VAR. I think VAR is the worst thing that could ever happen to it. And I think it's allowing the the. I know I'm going off piece a little bit here, but well, it's allowing it's allowing 
the level of officiating to drop because they're so scared to make wrong decisions or they're so scared to make a decision now because they've got VAR. I think it's, I hate it. I never wanted it in the first place. I was never one who said they have to have it. I'd, no, I was the first to complain about referees, but bring back human error. Give us human mm. error over VAR any day of the week. Um, it's hate. I love goal line technology because it's either over the line or it's not over the line. That's yeah. black and white. That is, you know, the decisions that VAR is looking at is just subjective still. And it's just all it is is another referee looking at a decision. And the rules are so, the rules are so, there's so many grey areas. The rules, no one knows what a handball is anymore. So I, I hate all that about the Premier League. You know, thankfully it's not in the championship and going further and, and League Two. And, and, and hopefully it never is because it's, I hate it. But no, non-league special. It really is special. I love being part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can continue uh, being being successful um, as we have been over the last few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just got a couple of minutes sort of left here. So I've just got a couple of questions just about sort of quick fire almost, if you like, just about sort of your yep. career. Um, what was your greatest non-league achievement? Um, winning the conference with Rushton, winning the conference with Rushton, I say we, we went fourth, fourth, second, second. I didn't play in those seasons because I was too young, but getting in the team at 18 and winning the conference was special. I made 333 appearances for Rushton. It was a phenomenal club owned by an incredible man, Max Griggs, who owned Dot Martins, who built the club. Mm. That, that, that was brilliant. You know, I signed for Luton as well. That was great because it was my club, but the best achievement was playing. I played 40 out of the 42 games when we won the National League and uh, as an 18-year-old was was very special. Yeah, amazing. Um, who was the best player you played or, you know, or managed against in the non-league? Um, played against in non-league uh, as a non-league player. Steve Morrison was special. Um, when he was at Stevenage, he then got his move. Obviously, went to Leeds and uh, in the football league, he, Millwall. Um, he was very good. Um, uh, played against in non-league. Uh, Chris Hargreaves. I've got to give Chris Hargreaves a shout. Um, he was a very tough individual when he went to Torquay. He was phenomenal. He was a right, a real good competitor. Um, he was my captain at Oxford as well and a really good friend, someone I still speak to now. But as a player, I hated coming up against him. He used to say to me before the game, um, Burge, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to get booked for you today. Um, and I knew a tackle was coming when I ever got the ball. I knew he was going to come and smash me. So, um, yeah, probably I'd say Chris Argus. Okay. And but what best player you played with? Best player I played with, in I'd say Paul Underwood. Yeah. Uh, Paul Underwood. They, Russian signed him from Enfield for I think thirty five thousand, and I've never seen a player dictate a game from left back like he did. I played left midfield, he played left back, and he was quiet in terms of how he led. He was captain when we won the uh, League Two, but in non-league he was he was quick. He he should have played in the Premier League. He had so much ability. Um, he got a bad injury at Luton, but yeah, I think he played 70-odd, 80 games for Luton when he moved from Rushton. They loved him. He's still spoken about nowadays. But in the conference, as a left-back and as a player, they, they, he, he could he could dictate and dominate a game um, from, from a full-back position, which was 
like I'd never seen anybody do. Um, I've never seen anyone do it since. So, um, yeah, Paul Underwood. All right, brilliant. Well, Andy, thank you. That's, uh, that's all we've got got time for now. But um, yeah, thank you very no much for for coming on and uh, and chatting Pleasure. about the league. It's been been really really interesting. Um, and potentially, you know, maybe at the end of the season, um, we can uh, we can come back together again and uh, and see how Southport season's gone and you know look at the, the sort of pluses and minuses of all that. But brilliant, thank yeah, you brilliant. for coming on, Andy. It's been a pleasure. Um, no problem. Thanks, James. Thanks, mate. Take care. Bye now. All right. So there you have it. Episode two in the books. I'd like to say a massive thank you um, to Andy Burgess for coming on there. Really giving us um, a great idea of, of how non-league looks. Um, from from a manager, assistant manager, and a player's point of view, as he said there, everybody around non-league is really, really passionate. It is the lifeblood of English football, um, and the fans are amazing as well. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be back next uh, week. I'm going to see going down to see Harlow Town on Saturday for their 3 p.m. kickoff against Benfleet, and then that'll be followed by a very special episode. Uh, with a young man called Charles Black who currently is playing in the non-league for Rushton and Diamonds very much looking forward to that and to see where he sees his career going next and how he views the non-league as a young man playing in it Um, hopefully you guys will all enjoy this one, you'll enjoy the next one and you'll carry on listening as the pod grows thank you for being here and I'll see you next time